seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on video nasty? Oh, you've seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Black Room from 1981 according to his copyright notice although people mark it as, an, as a date between 81 and 85 in various places depending on when it was released uh, and I suppose that gives it a, an indicator of how you know kind of unloved it's been anyway The Black Room is the third film bizarrely that we're going to talk about in the nasties list uh, the section 3 list in fact that features kind of a are they vampires? Kind of question. So obviously we've had Martin. We've had Mosquito the Rapist. Also known as Bloodlust. And now this film. The Black Room. And they all kind of mix um, sex, uh, sexuality, uh, a little bit of sleaze, and, uh, and, and blood drinking, you know. And, and, and the letting of the blood is done in a way that is uh, different to, uh, you know, like a vampire, they bite them on the neck with their big fangs. Instead, what they do is uh, is drain them using technology, like their medical equipment. And that's certainly the case with The Black Room, which features lengthy and um, fascinated shots of um, somebody having the blood drained from them using this pumping medical hospital machine. It gets a good rep. It is the Black Room is one of the films that hasn't really had um, the love. A lot, certainly, a lot of critics would say it deserves, and I can see why. It is. It's thoughtful, intelligent. It um, doesn't play to the teenage crowd. Instead, kind of is far more interested in the kind of uh, the malaise and fear of middle class, um, middle age life. something else. So many candles. It's like something out of a dream. I'll take it. Are there any restrictions? Restrictions? Yeah. Yeah. No. me what you do to the other women. I couldn't do that to you. It wouldn't be right. You're my wife. You're coming on like it's for real. I keep telling you. It's, it's a fantasy. How far are you gone? How far are you on it? Is it? Yes. I do have this. Oh, this nice little place we can go to. I thought he told you. Your brother and sister. Jason's been sick all his life. Oh, it's a very rare blood disease. He has to constantly replenish his blood every 60 days. Son of a bitch. Would you like to go with me to the room? 
Room. Let's say it was made in. Uh, well, IMDb and Wikipedia says eighty-two. The copyright notice says eighty-one. It's around that, you know, eight, early eighties. Directed by two people, Ellie Kenner, who we'll get on to, and Norman Fadis uh, Vane as well, who's also both of them fascinating people. It stars people from various bits and bobs you may or may not have seen, depending on how into the. Um, you know, low budget features of the early eighties are, but uh, eagle eyes among you will notice Christopher McDonald and uh, Lena Quigley as well. Obviously, Lena Quigley, the uh, the classic screen queen, and Christopher McDonald, who kind of appears in everything from um, oh, he's in Thelma uh, and Louise and Happy Gilmore and Requiem for a Dream, amongst amongst plenty of other things as well. This was uh, McDonald's first um, film. Who was spotted on stage, and Lena Quigley at this point hadn't really hit a scream queen status just yet. So the story is about uh, siblings who lure swingers or um, people who are off having an affair would probably be a better way to put it into their Hollywood mansion, lovely place. They uh, and then kill them to drain their blood in this land of long blood transfusion scenes. And the idea is that it will keep the siblings alive due to a rare blood condition that they've got. So in a supernatural sense, this is not a vampire film, but in a thoughtful kind of a, yeah, who are the monsters way? It is. So Larry, played by um, Jimmy Staffis, is bored. He's a husband and he is fed up. And so he quietly rents this room from this mansion owned by uh, Jason and Bridget, uh, played by Stephen Knight and Cassandra Gava. And uh, Jason is really the one who's got this this illness that we're not with at the time. Jason definitely suffers from this rare blood disorder and requires treatment transfusions. So Larry basically uses the place to bring women over and they could be prostitutes and, and whatever else. And uh, the, the siblings watch for a peephole. The second he gets off, though, the um, the couple capture the people he was going to have sex with and drain their blood to, provol- to prolong Jason's life. Anyway, there's some like um, stuff in it around sexual politics and, and suburban living. I suppose the fear touches on is as much around the idea that if you stay in the relationship it's not going to be great and you know it's not going to be great but if you leave then that's a completely different kind of way and who knows what could happen then you know and there's this wonderful scene when Larry the adulterer finds out that his wife knows that he she's been cheating by doing the same thing as he was doing once she'd found out and he goes bananas obviously there's the hypocrisy as well you know this idea that you know it's okay for me as a man but as a woman you couldn't 
put shouldn't possibly do that kind of thing. And in the end, there's um, a battle and a fight around, you know, these actions, all the actions from the vampires to the adulterers has uh, consequences, shall we say. And then there's a, a slight um, entertaining flick at the end as well, which I won't spoil because I'm assuming uh, a lot of the people who listen to this may not have seen the film. So first off, right, who are the art filmmakers? Okay, so um, Norman Fradius Vane is probably, you may know him, you may know him. Um, he directed Frightmare. Um, Frightmare is the 1983 one. Um, and I think, oh, I know, it's on the 88 Slasher Films Collection. So if you're a collector of that film in the UK and you collect those, you might well have it in your collection already. Um, so it's not, you know, not unknown. In the 50s, his first play, The Penguin, um, opened and did well. And um, he's written screenplays about the, ma- about the mafia and, and various bits and bobs. He actually has a um, a chapter in a Nightmare USA, the slasher film book, based around some of these films. I mean, he worked as a uh, in, in films such as um, you know, he's he's one of, another one of these people who writes, directs, and produces, as well as doing what else else other things he can as well. And um, so his films are and generally, you know. They're worth calling about, obviously, you know, if you took at least it was a nightmare in the USA, certainly Frightmare in the Black Room are, are fascinating. Then Ellie Kenner, born in Jerusalem, goes over to um, in the early 70s to Boston uh, to study film as a master's, and then um, make in the set basically lives in America in the 70s, making various bits and bobs. This actually is, is, is his second film in 1983. Then he returns to um, Israel in 84 and then works on various stuff. So he works um, on Israeli TV news and um, and does some work around like mysticism as well in the 90s, as well as various bits and bobs. And um, But mainly his day-to-day job was as a news editor for the uh, Jerusalem Bureau of National French television station uh, France too uh, in in the in the um, late eighties nineties and, and up to twenty eleven. So he's um, you know his work he's worked in in, in moving image shall we say, but uh, but it, his career isn't within you know cinema as such. Uh, you know he's still but you know he work, has worked had worked for a long time as a film editor director and producer. I think it's interesting. It's an interesting film. Um, why does it work? Well, the first thing I'd say is, of course, that it, 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 you know, it didn't get anywhere near the love that you... It's a bit, maybe it's a bit too thoughtful. This came out in the period of the slasher movie and um, it's not a slasher movie. It's, it's quite a thoughtful, pondering piece around all sorts of stuff, really, but really around, you know, um, touching on, on relationships and that. So, you know, I, I suppose if you were to pinpoint it in a sense at the time, it does sit within like these kind of, you know, Friday the 13th is a classic, you know, those cautionary tales, you know, so sex and drugs and then, you know, something terrible happens to them. Um, I suppose in a sense, this is the same thing, you know, it, it mixes sex 
and uh, and violence. There's obviously the the sexualization of, of the bloodletting as well in its own kind of way, and it's kind of but it's done in kind of a a clinical kind of sense. It's you know it's not it's not vicious or violent. Well, it is violence obviously because what it is, but you know it's not gory, shall we say? So you know if you marry people who kind of yeah, but that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, so if you're a kind of a married person and you you step out of line, you do something you shouldn't do, i.e. fuck a prostitute, then um, it's not just you, but your family gets sucked into these reactions, and indeed that's what happens in this story with Larry. In the same way, I think, with um, Cronenberg at the time, the film seems to allude or think about bloodletting and infusions and sex, uh, you know, but in a pre-mainstream AIDS epidemic way. It wasn't like, you know, 81, you know, I mean, 81 is the, um, it's only first been clinically reported in that year, you know, so, so it kind of, in a sense, it's ahead of its time, although almost certainly wasn't aware that it was. Um, and But I think the, the sexual politics of it, you know, lonely, bored housewives and men um, trying to escape, change their lives, is something that sat through swaves of the 70s. And, and again, the cautionary tale idea is certainly bang on for the period of the early 80s especially in horror, but in thrillers in general as well. Men who step out of line being punished, you know. And then you're getting into feelings, you know, general feelings of distrust around the rich. Again, classic 60s and 70s themes after, um, you know, flower power age. So there's, there's elements here which indicate of... Um, thoughtfulness but you know thrown all together adding a sprinkling of, of sleaze because it does feel sleazy it feels like the low budget stuff that we've been speaking around that is definitely does not have a problem with looking away you know showing the sewing the grill and then um you know a little synthy soundtrack which is not quite nicely put together you know there's a lot there yeah so there's a soundtrack from um james ackley as well, which kind of um, gives it a synthy kind of feel and adds more moods and tones to the piece as well. You know, if this was a podcast that was kind of like, you know, the history film or tone and atmosphere or how certain films bubble up and reflect the times they're in, even when they're not sure about it, this, I think this would definitely fit within those bounds. It's, um, it has a, a certain amount of, of joy behind it, you know, that well, a certain amount of skill behind it that is unexpected from a film that was fairly much box office poison and unloved at the time. So the film was um, released in the UK uncut in 1983 for a cinema release and then was released on Alpha VHS in 83 as well, was seized. Um, it is currently available uncut in Germany, <laughs> fuck it out, uh, on CMV. Um, so you want to be looking for um, something along the lines, either called Deadly Heat, Uncut, The Black Room. In actual 
German. It's Kammer der Scherecken. And I am I am on Amazon right now as we speak. And you can pick it up on DVD for £8.99. According to this, used. So head down and get it if you can. Or Google it and you might be able to see it on something like Daily Motion. Shh, don't tell anybody. But I mean, that's the thing though. It's so unloved. I mean, it's clearly, you know, somebody's got the rights to it, but fucking you know, who knows? Um, unless um, it's being put out on DVD by somebody who's just like, ah, we'll deal with it if anyone comes to the door, you know? But yeah, I mean, on the list, there aren't many um, films that are like, you know, real lost classics. There's some, you know what I mean? There's some. Like Bloodlust or, you know, that, that don't come around to the UK very often, but, but are interesting movies. Definitely, like this is one of them. Wow. This place is really something else. So many candles. It's like something out of a dream. Anyway, thanks very much for listening. If you want to get hold of me, please do. My email address is videonestedpodcast at gmail.com or you can get me on Twitter at, at orange underscore monkey. Uh, or you can go to the website, lasthorrorpodcast.com or videonassispodcast.com, where all my podcasts are. Uh, next time, we're dealing with Nightmare City. Uh, considerably easier to get hold of. I think we'll probably all agree. Uh, so Nightmare City, Umberto Lanzi, kind of um, trying to piggyback off the Dawn of the Dead hype uh, from 1980. Very silly, a lot of fun, cool soundtrack. Um the people that love it really fucking love it. So um, until then, take care and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you seen one? I actually don't need to see visually. What I know is in that film.